1: Well, if you've listened to previous episodes of this show that are focused on the global water crisis, such as my interview with Blue Gold World Water Wars director Sam Bazo, you've probably heard some of the more staggering statistics that exist today. For example, almost 1 billion people across the globe currently lack access to safe water, and over 2.5 billion don't have access to proper sanitation. Well, my guest today is an activist working to help alleviate this problem, but he doesn't fit the profile of your typical environmental activist. Ryan Hirljack at the age of six was inspired by lessons learned in his first grade class about children who don't have clean water around the world. Now, over 10 years later, his message has reached around the globe and he continues to work towards his dream of clean water for everyone through the work of Ryan's Well Foundation, which he founded. Ryan, welcome to the program.
0: Hey, Sean, thanks for having me.
1: Hey, it's our pleasure. Well, I first heard about you when I actually watched the film, Blue Gold, uh, World Water Wars. And uh, Sam Bozzo, the director, was kind enough to put us in touch. I was fascinated by the story. It was very inspiring. I have children just about the age that you were uh, when you first had this epiphany. And so I think I'd really just like to start. I'd just like you to tell. I'm sure you've told this story many times, but I'd love, if you would, to share it again with uh, our listeners.
0: Well, it was in my grade one classroom. we were doing our annual charity project fundraiser thing. Like, you know, you do your canned food drives and stuff like that. And that year, we were raising money for developing countries. So my teacher, her name was Mrs. Press, she brought in this list of things you could say. So it was like one cents was for a pencil, two dollars was for a blanket, and so on and so on. And then she got to a point where she said $70 would buy a well. And then she added in after that, yeah, people are dying because they didn't have clean water. And in my class, we were in grade one, we didn't really understand. We are like, what do you mean? Why don't they just go to the water fountain? And yeah, my teacher explained to us, yeah, they don't have water fountains. They have to walk something like five kilometers to get a drink. So we didn't know what five how far five kilometers was. We were in grade one. So my teacher said five thousand steps, and hadn't really helped. But I remember counted this. I counted the steps it took me to get from my classroom to the water fountain, and I counted ten. So I just figured one thing I was stressed a lot about. I guess me and my peers at that age was sharing. You know, you share this, you share that, the kind of stuff you learn in kindergarten. So I figured I'm in this position where I have where I can share and something as simple as clean water, which I took for granted every single day. So I figured, okay, my teacher said it would cost $70, so I'll go home to my parents. They have lots of money, right? And I'll say, Mom, Dad, can I have $70 to build this well? And I'll bring it back into my teacher, and then the problem would be solved. Right. And I thought it was a great plan, but I went (laughs) home to my mom and dad, and they they basically ignored me for a couple days. And then a few migraines later, they finally sat me down, because I basically wouldn't let it go, and they made them feel really bad about themselves for not helping me with this. So they sat me down, and they said, you know, Ryan, $70, you know, it's quite a bit of money. We can't just give it to you, like, here's $70, off you go. But what we can do is give you a chance to earn it by doing extra chores on top of the chores you already do, and we'll support you. So I did extra chores for four months, like vacuuming, washing windows, stuff like that, and I got an allowance. And after that time, though, my school had actually stopped fundraising, so... I I found a water organization that builds uh, wells in developing countries uh, independently, and learned it was going to cost two thousand dollars.
1: Ah, not the seventy that you were promised. Not
0: the seventy, so it was a little bit higher. But I guess I didn't really take notice of that. Like my mom explained to me, yeah, this is how long you're going to be doing chores for. Her. You're going to be as old as Dad. And so we, I kind of changed tactics, and it became less and less of my project after after that day, and more of everyone's project. I started public speaking when I was seven, and I went through speech therapy when I was a kid, and my first speech was at a rotary closet, and I guess the words may have not gone across, but the message did. It was this kid, regular kid, nothing special. He wasn't too smart to anything, and he just wanted to help out, and that kind of carried on to the point where we were able to build that well, and after that, it's gone to a point where we established this foundation, which has built 502 projects in 16 countries, and helped 600 over 620,000 people. So it's kind of unbelievable that my overdue grade one school charity project turned into
1: this, but that's, it's an amazing story. It really is. Well, I'm curious to hear about the first time. So we, now you raised this first $2,000. How long did that take you?
0: It took me about a year
1: to raise the 2000. Uh-huh. And then you, and you, so I imagine you got a lot of help from the community as well.
0: Well, it, It came out of my house, and it wasn't just me doing chores anymore, so my friends started to help out, my school, uh, lots of my family members, and it just became the whole, from my community to the province, to the nation, to finally where we're at internationally, where we get over 100 countries that visit our website each month, and everyone's just pitching it, so it's great.
1: Now, you, you actually, you traveled to the village in Africa that you bought this first well for, is that correct?
0: Yeah, I went to, it was built in Angola Primary School in northern Uganda, and I got to visit there when I was nine, and when I went there, I guess, there was this huge celebration, there were 5,000 people, and there, there was a feast, and everyone was just so happy that they had clean water, and it was just kind of, you take kind of take a step back, and I like looked at my life back home, and it was like, okay, this is when I need to be happy, I needed to go play soccer, I needed to get at least 12 hours of sleep, and it was like, you need water to be happy. And it's just like, it puts kind of puts you in your place for perspective wise, what me anyway, what I need is to be happy. And just to give the people the foundations to be able to build their lives. It's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. So, well, I, I think it probably stands a reason then that you agree that the world is in a state of water crisis right now.
0: Well, there's now, since uh, the money and development goals, I guess, we cut it down to almost a billion people that don't have access to clean water, and it's a long way to go, and it's a huge, in, very int- uh, through Blue Gold, the documentary of Bazo, it's not cut and dry by any means, but it's just, it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge complex problem, but the solution on a very, very large scale is very simple. And so that's what we're trying to do with the Ranswell Foundation. We're doing good leeway into helping make a
1: difference in that problem. So tell us about the foundation, how it works, and how people can help.
0: Well, the foundation, we do three main things. We don't just build clean water wells, but that's the first thing we do, and that's because, yeah, 6,000 children die every day because they don't have clean water. So that's like 20 full jumbo jets crashing every day of the year. And it's a big problem, simple solution. So that's why we build clean water wells. And the second thing we do is educate so that's educating people in developed countries, as well as in developing, about the importance of clean water, basically get sanitation, education, and not to take it for granted, basically. And then the third thing we do is motivation, and I think it's the most important. So that's just motivating young people, old people, short people, tall people, basically anyone to go out in the world and not necessarily make this huge, profound difference, but find their puzzle piece and find their role that they have
1: to play. And what is your day to day role these days with the organization? I mean, I know that you have uh, you're, uh, you're you're are in high school, uh, I take it, and you're pursuing normal activities of, of a teenager in school and, and outside of school. Um, you know, how does how does your time get spent right now?
0: Well, right now I do a lot of volunteer work with the foundation. I help sit on the board, and I do a lot of speeches. And it's just my role that I have to play in the foundation. And we've got so many. Ju- so many volunteers. We have a great part-time staff that help out, and it's just been fantastic to have this huge drive behind the foundation.
1: Yeah, that's Are you able to balance your teenage life and, and sort of having a normal life with all the work that you're doing?
0: Well, I guess one thing when I was younger, especially when this was kind of getting underway, I thought that I had to make this choice in my life. I could either go out there and become an activist or stay home and play video games. and It had to be this choice that I had to do. And then as I kind of went along and I kind of realized that, you know, there's this thing in the world called moderation. And I could, yeah, you know, go out and help with the foundation and I could come home and sleep too. And it didn't have to be this big choice I had to make. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's people in this world that you're see doing these absolutely amazing things and your jaw will drop and you'll be like, wow, I wish I could do that. That's so amazing. How could you be so selfless? And that's fantastic. And I'm in awe of those people too, but... I'm not that person. So I've kind of found that I can help out in my own way while being me too. Is something that a lot of, I guess, youth in particular sometimes is on the verge of understanding, but the majority doesn't understand yet. And through, I guess, empowerment, like stories like the six-year-old that thought he could make a difference and it turned into this is kind of proven fact that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You can make a difference in your own way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here. We're talking with Ryan Hurljack. He is the founder of Ryan's Well Foundation, and he began his active life of advocacy for water poor communities back in 1998 when he was six years old. You can find the foundation online at www.ryanswell.ca. And this is Sean Daly on Green Talk Radio. We'll be right back. We are back, and we are talking about providing clean water for the world, and we're talking with Ryan Hurljack. He began his active life of advocacy at the tender age of six years old in 1998 when he founded the Ryan's Well Foundation when he was inspired by his first grade teacher, and we've been talking, and Ryan, we were talking before the break uh, about the sort of the basics of the water crisis, your story. I wanted to hear also, I I understand that you have a a book out uh, right now. It's Ryan and Jimmy and the Well in Africa that brought them together, is that correct?
0: Yep. And it's a book my uncle wrote, and basically when I was in grade two, my grade one, uh, my grade two teacher heard about this project uh, that had happened in grade one and thought, oh, this is pretty cool. But why don't we expand on this and get pen pals at the school where this spell was built? So we all got pen pals, and my pen pal ended up to be Jimmy Icona. That's how I met Jim. And... Jim's from uh, the school where my very first well was built, and I got to meet him when I was in, uh, when I was nine, and I got to go over there to see my well, and that's when we learned uh, Jim was an orphan, being raised by his aunt. And my family, we quickly looked into uh, into adoption real quick because we had become really, really good friends and stuff. But there wasn't any extenuating circumstances; he wasn't blood relatives, so we thought, you know what, he's better. He's better there. And then after. I guess uh, a couple of years after, there's a situation that's escalating in northern Uganda with the A called the uh, Lord's Resistance Army, mm-hmm. and it's this rebel movement that uh, basically functions by abducting kids to be child soldiers, and they got to the point where Jimmy's village was raided and he was abducted, ah. but he chewed through the ropes that were binding his hands and he escaped. Wow. And he, we heard about this all at once, we're in Canada, right, so we heard about this all once through a contact of ours who was facilitating our water projects at the time. And we were sending money for Jimmy's school at the time because you have to pay it for your school in Uganda after grade seven. But we realized that, you know, we were meant to do a little more than that. So after a very hectic month we got Jimmy over to Canada on a visitor's visa and then he claimed refugee status. And now he's a Canadian citizen going to University in Nova Scotia.
1: Wow and, and so and so did he end up living with you for a while when he came over to Canada or did he go right to school and was living in another place?
0: Well, he came, he lived in my house, and he became my brother. And he became part of the community. People have seen him all the time, and he joined the track team. He learned English really well, and he's been doing great
1: ever since. That's am- that's amazing. See, I mean, your life is a movie. I, your life is one of the most amazing <laughs> stories uh, that I have heard, and one of the more inspiring ones. So, Well,
0: you'd be surprised, actually. The most amazing stories are the stories you'll never hear about. And I guess this is just sort story that kind of stands out in the sense where ordinary people doing amazing things is not something that's foreign at all and if you look in your backyard you'll be surprised to find people doing these unbelievable things
1: yeah well I think really the inspiration uh the, the heart of the story is that anybody can do these things and it's just making the decision as and it sometimes takes the 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 simple the simple mind of a child the simple but beautiful mind of a child who just says why can't we just solve this um rather than getting engaged in all the complications they're free of that and so that that can be inspiring so it's uh you know what it's there there's a there's a famous quote about what comes from the mouths of babes and it's uh it's staggering to hear a real life story that really reinforces that so i on a different topic i wanted to ask you do you have any specific tips for younger people uh, and so actually this is sort of semi-related to what we were just talking about, um, that, that may want to get involved uh, with either Ryan's Well or similar projects uh, or with the water crisis?
0: Well, for young people in particular, it's one good thing, is, like you said, is being naive and being ideal is to the extent you're allowed to be naive and ideal to the extent where you have no boundaries. So one thing that I guess I want to stress about is, I kind of mentioned it before, the world's kind of like a big big puzzle, and in our lifetimes we have to try to figure out where a piece fits. And in our lifetimes, if you find that you think your piece fits somewhere, don't be timid at all and try to do some research and find out what you can about something that you really feel passionate about. And if you kind of wipe away that timidness, you can find a lot of passion and a lot of meaning to something that you really care about.
1: That's great. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for being with us today.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Sean.
1: My guest has been Ryan Hurljack. He started Ryan's Well Foundation at the age of six back in 1998. He's now 17. He still is working with the foundation. and They're committed to providing clean, safe drinking water for the world's population. You can find them online at www.ryanswell.ca. You can also find the book at ryanswell.ca slash difference slash book.html. Thanks, everyone. And we'll talk to you next time on Green Talk Radio.